Okay, welcome everyone. Um, this was kind of a slightly late, late organized session, but I think it's going to be a good one. Um, so I have with me, we're going to be talking about sorghum beer, which I think is, for a lot of people outside of Africa, probably a mystery. Um, probably never brewed with it, probably don't know much about it at all, but it's actually the main brain, main, main grain in, in Africa for beer and has been for forever i suppose um so what's happened is that jesse here from quasa and along with yakima chief hops and we have luke kukstein i'm not pronouncing your name probably right there <laughs> kulstein is it um kulstein um so there so quasa and yakima have come together to come up with this project to try and encourage more people to to try out brewing with with um sorghum and also in a way to support Quasar, which is the first African or first Rwandan craft brewery. And it's completely owned by women. And it, um, it's actually more than a brewery, I think Jesse would probably say. So we want to kind of go through all that. So I have with me, as I said, I have Jesse, who was one of the founders of Quasar. I have Luke from Yakima Chief Hops. I have Tapiwa from, who's the brewer with Quasar. And we have Steve Boshen, who is, um, well, where to start with you? You're <laughs> who the hell are you? <laughs> you're in Canada, but you're also on the board of Quasa. So um, it brings in a whole lot of experience here. That, that is amazing. So what we're going to do is we're going to probably just start with the idea behind this project is to encourage people to brew with sorghum, to give it a try, see what happens. But a lot of people have, you know, it's a completely new grain. They don't know what to do. They don't know the techniques, the recipes, and they don't know what works together. So that's where Quasar and Yakima came together to develop a hop, um, a hop mix. Would that be fair enough? Um, that that would work well with sorghum. So we'll probably talk about Quasar a little bit and how this is going to help Quasar. But maybe Jesse, it would be good to start off with just, you know what is sorghum and what's its place in in African brewing and kind of go from there maybe. So do you want to take it? Do you sure. want to lead to that? Sure. Yeah. Thanks for having us all for a sorghum based podcast. It's quite exciting to, to be talking about it. Um, sorghum is like, I had never heard about it. I mean, I'm from America, right? And I had never heard of sorghum before I moved to Africa, but then come to find out that like the U.S. is actually the number one producer of sorghum in the world. Um, and so it's a crop that is used a lot for making sugars for animal feed, et cetera, but it's also an incredibly amazing crop. It's native to Africa. Um, so here it's a biodiversity crop. Um, it's, you know, it's traditionally, it's natively from here. Um, it's gluten-free and has been used through history in African brewing. So obviously I'm not African. Um, and so I'm learning from those here um, and working with, with traditional knowledge that's, that's in Rwanda and in Africa. Um, and so it, it's traditionally been used like the, the crest of actually the Rwandan government has sorghum in it. Um, it's such an important crop to the country and it's used both like in porridge and for nutrition as well as traditionally in brews. So there's going back into Rwandan history, there's um, the king's beer, the queen's beer, there's, and it's all made with sorghum. Um, and so this is throughout Africa. And I think um, Tapiwa can probably speak more to this later about, um, there's all different 
um, brews throughout Africa that are traditionally made. It's normally an opaque beer um, and, and goes by different names throughout Africa. What we're doing is, is taking the traditional grain um, and the process of malting it um, and then, but then bringing it into more of a modern process of brewing that ends up with more a clear beer. A lot of people drink Quasa beer. We have IPAs, we have stouts, we have kind of your, your European taste palette. And a lot of people taste it and have no clue that it's made with sorghum. So, um, you know, we're, we're, we're combining tradition and modern palate um, into something that's, that's available on the market. Um, so yeah, sorghum itself is, it, it looks kind of like corn when it's starting to grow in the field, like to those in, um, familiar with cornfields and such, you know, it's got this tall stalk with the leaves, but then it has this head of grains that that's, it's many, 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 many small grains, like this very small pea sized, um, red or white grains. Um, and those are a, a starch and it's gluten-free. Um, and so that's what's harvested, dried, and then malted, you know, just like barley would be malted. Um, in order for us to use that. And it's so it's climate resilient. Um, it grows in very marginal land. Um, it doesn't require all the inputs and stuff that other kind of, you know, pesticide or fertilizer heavy crops do. So it's really a great crop kind of in the world in general. Um, and also goes back to the origins of brewing that, you know, beer started in Mesopotamia and Egypt with, with African and you know Middle Eastern grains, and um, and so that's what we're trying to kind of tell some of that story, um, and also make it accessible. Right. Um, yeah. Just I mean, from from where it stands in terms of like you said, it's bio. Like America produces more of it than anybody else, and it's also very very versatile and can grow anywhere. So does that make it like where 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 do people get the sorghum? Like, what's it used for mainly outside of Africa? So if it, if it's the main grain in africa but it's but there's huge amounts of it grown in america what do americans use it for um mainly for cattle feed um and for and it's also used in extracts to like there's a lot of sugar just like there is in barley or corn or other other cereals so you can extract the sugars from it for other industrial processes okay okay but it's interesting um, you can't find it in the grocery store <laughs> right yeah, it, and does <laughs> Does it taste anything like barley or wheat or anything like that? If it, you're just, like I said, if you were to find it there and make make a porridge out of it or something and just trying to figure out where its palate is. Yeah, it's um, it's a kind of like, how do you, it's, I'd probably classify it with like a thick couscous almost or like a, I'm trying to think of something that it's similar to. It kind of has like a chewy texture if you're if you're just eating it plain like you just boil it and kind of put it on the side of something um or it's um you or it's put in porridge like it's more like an oatmeal when you do it that way um and so yeah so it is it's rather ironic that the u.s is the number one producer in the world but you just like you don't see it you don't hear about it um and yeah. you know it's but it's the number it's number five cereal in the world in terms of production and, and consumption around the world so we're talking a major global crop um that's nutrient dense climate resilient like i said and even with you know with things like climate change happening and barley bands moving and things like that 
you know, sorghum is another potential crop that people can be using to be brewing with. And like I said, it's also, it's gluten-free. So a lot of people are really, you know, going the gluten-free route. Um, most of our beers have 10, 20% grains still that are barley. Um, we're, we're trying to convert over. It just has more to do with the roasting process and for different flavors and colors right now before we have that process here. Um, and a lot of people come to me after they've had a few quasas and they're like, I don't, what's different? Something feels different. And um, I think it's, it's the lack of gluten, you know, like you don't have that kind of like bloaty feeling <laughs> the day after. Um, and so you, you do, you notice it kind of, it also has a lighter palate, which is some of what I think Luke can talk about later with how we've worked on um, the lack of, of mouthfeel and things like sorghum's much lighter on the palate. Um, and so therefore has impacts on recipes and, and oils and such. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's around, it's a very common grain. Um, and so we're here to, to help you brew with it um, and be able to encourage the use of it more. Okay. So, yeah. So, so then, I mean, it's obviously, like you said, it's been brewed. People have been using it to brew for millennia, but outside of Africa, it's not that common. So where do you see, I mean, you had to, where do you see non-African brewers going with it? Like what, what challenges did you have as Quasa coming in? If you already were familiar with it, are they going to be different challenges? Or are they going to be, how is that going to um, work? Well, I, I'm not, Steve, do you want to, um, do you want to talk yeah, I, about the origins kind of of Quasa? And cause I picked up from you on the, on, you know, really the sorghum recipe. Yeah, well, I, I will mention that there there are a few gluten-free breweries out there that have been using sorghum for, for quite a few years. I would say Glutenberg is a, is a Canadian brewery that uh, is, typically wins all the awards for every gluten-free beer, and I'll give them a free plug here. Um, they, they make very, very good beer using not just sorghum, but but they do use a, a bit of sorghum in their, their brewing. Um, when... Uh, when we first started the the Quasa project, it was uh, sort of a, a charitable give back uh, to to raise money to to start the the brewery. But we we did do do a trip down to uh, to Rwanda to to do traditional sorghum brewing, and uh, the challenge for a lot of uh, modern brewers right now is is breaking down the the starches into sugars for uh, for use. And so if you're using, if you're using sorghum in uh, traditional kind of brew uh, mash ton and things like that, um, if you use 30% or less, it's actually fairly straightforward because the enzymes present in the barley will be uh, present enough to break down the, the starches in, in the sorghum. But if you go over that 30%, you have to start getting into some special special techniques or the addition of enzymes, that kind of thing. Um, so that's that's one of the challenges that's maybe kept uh, brewers uh, a little bit hesitant to, to, to work with sorghum. And then I think there's just um, sort of a, a general level of, of ignorance. You know, it's not something that you know, when you go to the homebrew supply shop, you, you can't find the, the sorghum next to the to the barley on the shelf kind of thing. Uh, so, um, you know, it's it's one of these things where, well, there's a wealth of knowledge in in the African countries on, on using this, that that knowledge has just not transferred over to the to the rest of the planet. And and that's, I think, the, the main reason why it's not. Right. not 
Yeah, I, I remember when Jesse was, we were talking, Jesse, before um, we had this, you know, talking about African brewing and there was an American session and I just, I sticks in my mind that one of the, the brewers there, I think he was originally from Ghana, but um, he was saying that when they, when he started brewing, he was, he wanted to use sorghum and he just kept being told, you cannot brew with sorghum. <laughs> no, you cannot brew with sorghum. And no one would accept it. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of the things that's talking about. And he said like, but I go home and everybody's brewing with sorghum. It's, it's strange. So, so you think some of that is just because it was, it never became a major crop in, in, uh, outside of Africa. Um, and it's just, it's just lack of knowledge mainly. Yeah, yeah, I, I would say so. It, and, and in particular, it's just the, the way that the, the starches break down, uh, because it, the, it, in barley grain, the, the enzymes to break down the starches are present in the grain. They're, they're not necessarily present in, uh, in the sorghum. So, so it's, if you were to just put a bunch into the mash tun and hope for great results, you'd, you'd be pretty disappointed. And I, I think sort of, um, while there was, you know, thousands of people brewing with it for thousands of years in, <laughs> in one continent, no one, no one bothered to take the time uh, really to, to figure it out. But I, I, I say nobody, I, I think that's kind of, that's unfair. Um, I know there's a lot of global breweries that have operations in Africa who have been using sorghum for, for decades and decades. So it's not like this completely unknown secret. It's just not hit sort of uh, craft beer, I would say in particular, because not many craft brewers have, have really done a lot of brewing in, in Africa. Um, but you, you look at kind of the history of brewing and you basically, people use either what's, what's readily available or they use what's taxed less, you know, and the history of brewing is, is a history of, of taxation and, and, and what, what was locally available. It's, Right. The only two, only two things that have changed brewing history, really. Okay. Um, so, uh, yeah. So, I mean, what, what would you say to someone who wants so to to start? Uh, let's get into this. If you want to start brewing with sorghum, you want to start experimenting with it. As like, what do you need? What what kind of scale do you need? Do you need to be big, small? Do you need to have a separate setup um, to to deal with this? You know, with, with the enzyme issue or or can you just do it on a on what is now the standard brewing kit and just make some minor changes? Jesse, you've got the most experience with this now. Do you wanna or I guess to pee what you maybe maybe you do? Um yeah, I guess Tapiwa, do you want to talk about our, our current process and like the scale that we're brewing at now and the process you use for for brewing? Oh, I don't, I think you're on mute, Tapiwa. Oh, there might be technical difficulties on her side. Um, I'll jump in and Tapiwa, if you, uh, if you meant, if you figure it out or the internet just might be slow there. Um, so we currently brew only, we're doing 40 liter batches at a time. Um, so we have, we have a Braumeister, like we're still in the R&D phase and our equipment that's a thousand liter brew house is en route. So what we've done is, so we actually use malted sorghum here. It's traditionally malted. 
um, the grains are soaked for three days, um, allowed to, and then they're soaked with, with an ash, with banana leaf ash. Um, and we're in the middle of kind of testing the, you know, how much that changes the pH and then therefore the enzyme activity and, and all different things like what are, what, it, what is critical. And because when you, when you speak to the traditional malters, you know, they just say, because my grandmother, you know, did this, that's why I do it. There's not, um, the kind of like, because it changes this or does this, it's just like, you can't not do it is, you know, they're like, it won't, you, your beer will be horrible if you don't add this banana leaf ash. And so it's just like a, a known, you must do this. Um, so we're in, in the process of looking into like the particularly Rwandan malt process. Cause I've talked to people in South Africa who brewed with malted sorghum, but they, it, it, they don't use ash, it turns out, and they've not had luck with being able to, to use that, you know, and like Steve said, they end up having to use enzymes or put in a lot of barley um, in order to, to do that. But our, our beers are 80 to 100% sorghum, and we get conversion, and, and it's naturally lower alcohol. Like we end up, most of our beers are about 4, four to 4.2% alcohol, um, but we do, they, they do seem to work. And the biggest issue we have is that sorghum is just sorghum is naturally smaller and doesn't have the husk like barley does um so the biggest issue is in laudering um and so we mix in rice hulls just empty rice hulls that we get from agricultural kind of waste processes um and that acts as our husks um in order to be able to do the laudering um so we have um our current process that's how we how we brew the beer and we're about to start in on another system and we did have to have it custom made um and to have stronger um paddles like stronger rakes and things to be able to handle you know 80 to 100 percent sorghum um just because of the the thickness of it um and we also have different backflows and such in case the lauder gets stuck um but it is, you know, like we've just started out where, you know, if you're a home brewer, then it's really no problem. You can kind of mix it and mash it. Um, and the larger breweries, it's more about finding different ways to mix in, you know, whether it's rice hulls or other things or using enzymes. If you're using straight sorghum that's not malted or you're using malted sorghum, but that's not done, you know, the traditional way. Um, that's where I think maybe Steve, you can uh, jump in more with that knowledge or extracts, you know, like, so I know that there's a lot of um, sorghum extract you can get from like rice suppliers and, and people in the, in the States. Um, there's also different um, malt houses. So I know CNC malt in, I think they're in North Carolina or Philadelphia or, or um, Pennsylvania, they were, they malted sorghum actually for some breweries to do a collab with us last year. Um, and they had success with being able to use that and making a, a regular just ale. Um, so there are processes, you know, that it, that it is quite, quite possible to kind of use it as, as the main ingredient. So yeah, Steve, I don't know if you want to jump back in on different, like when enzymes or equipment or anything else is needed outside of what we know, which is our, you know, our malted sorghum. Yeah, I guess the, the sort of the, the, the big question here is, are you, are you starting a brewery from scratch and you want to work, work exclusively with sorghum, in which case you can, you know, maybe get a mash press instead of a mat, mash ton, that kind of thing. If you're working with your existing system and what you want to do is make a beer, then probably the easiest way is uh, to use either a little bit of enzyme or blend it with 
with some barley malt, um, I would say, especially if you're kind of dipping your toe into this, uh, easiest way to do it would be, would be, you know, keep it under 30% to just play around with it. If you're liking the way that that works, then as you scale up, uh, just, um, you know, work with your, your local lab to, to get the right enzyme mix in there. Um, and, and then, yeah, on the lottering side, the, the, the grains are incredibly small. So uh, whether you're using cotton or rice hulls or something like that, um, uh, putting something in there so that you don't clog up your mash tun because uh, no one likes a clogged mash tun. <laughs> so, so since this is the, this project, which we, we'll get onto the actual mechanics of this project, of this challenge whatever you want to call it in a while with luke here um but it's aimed mainly i mean at existing brewers existing commercial breweries so they're going to have some setup that that's there so it might they might have a pilot setup and a main setup or maybe they're just have one kind of medium-sized setup so they're going to have to they're going to have to be more careful on 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 some steps here than they would on uh, that they're used to that they're going to have to from the sound of it be very careful on not getting clogged <laughs> but also just the ratios this is this is what you're going to be encouraging to experiment with i guess is the ratios as well is it yeah so I yeah think... go, no go ahead luke okay. no, i was going to say there's um there's a lot of a lot of people certainly in europe who have only ever really use sorghum through wanting to achieve a gluten-free brand within their portfolio. Um, similar to, to Steve was saying, there's like one or two completely gluten-free breweries. Certainly there's a couple in the UK, a couple in, in continental Europe that will be set up specifically to do this. Um, but we know that obviously some of the brewers that took part in the original Quasar project and some of the others we've been talking to have been looking at extract as a, as a possibility there as well. It's, Certainly across Europe, where malted sorghum itself is quite difficult to get hold of, um, with the exception of a few a few key markets. Actually, the UK is one of them that's relatively easy to get hold of. Um, but sorghum extract is a is a much easier option for a lot of people, I would say. Um, certainly for for a lot of a lot of the customers that we've been talking to around the the wider kind of the project that we've been working with with Quasar on. Okay, so you, you can't let that go. Why is the UK easier to get malted sorghum than, than the rest of Europe? I have absolutely no idea, to be honest. <laughs> uh, it's just it's just one of those things where there are a couple of a couple of maltsters that just seem to have the the ability to do it. There's there's obviously a, a very long history of heritage grain brewing in the UK. Um, you've got people like Chris Malt who are actually reintroducing a lot of heritage grains, heritage barley specifically back into the into their portfolio and things now so um i think the use of the use of things like sorghum or millet or spelt never never really left the uk industry it's just always been a tiny tiny proportion thereof um so for for one way shape or form it just kind of is available um certainly i think because of the the rising gluten-free brewing in the last like 10 15 years as well i think has definitely helped the availability there yeah, it just raises a question for me, actually. Um, so gluten-free bread, do they use sorghum in a lot of that, or does anybody know? Just, just occurred to me. Uh, I'm not sure. I think. Uh, <laughs> I was just wondering whether. 
<laughs> everybody mentions it for the beer. <laughs> Maybe it's it's also in the, the bread. But um, no bakers here, so. Um, <laughs> I would imagine probably millet flour would be right. a, part, a portion of it. Mm. All right. Um, so, yeah, so so then this project, let, let's, let's go back to the specifics of the project. So what you want to do, obviously, is Quasar, as Yakima as well, is you're trying to encourage people to, to brew with sorghum, or at least, like I said, to, to try it out. So you, you've worked with a number of different brewers, both of you, to try and understand what those challenges are and where, where people are going to find difficulties and you've prepared recipes and all that. So one of the things Yakima has done is you've done an awful lot of work on identifying which hops work best with it to, to make that part at least easier for people that can go and pick up some, some specific hops and not have to worry about that section of it. So how did you go about that or where did you, what did you find out then? Or, you know, how did it work? The the jump off point for that was we really, we spent a lot of time talking to, to Jesse and the Quasar team about the, the flavor profile and the texture profile of sorghum in finished beer and trying to make sure that we can find something that will bridge the gap very comfortably between the traditional kind of palate and flavor of sorghum brewing and western kind of euro-american flavor palettes and what we expect in modern craft beers certainly in european style craft beers um so we looked at two two major things there's a there was an ever so slight tartness present in in quite a lot of sorghum beers and jesse mentioned this earlier there's a because sorghum reacts differently to barley it doesn't have the gluten strains it gives a, a thinner kind of textural experience to a beer and certainly with the last 10 years or so of american-led european style brewing texture is hugely important especially in a lot of modern hot forward beers um and then you go back into traditional european brewing into belgian brewing german brewing english brewing as well the texture of the beer is almost as important as the flavor so we we spent quite a bit of time going through like our hop science over the last like few years to try and find something that could fill in a couple of those gaps as well to try and create a, a hot bundle as we're calling it to um make that final product feel a bit more natural to a um to someone that maybe isn't used to drinking drinking sorghum beers and we actually we settled on three varieties which when used together give a really quite wide variety of styles that can be brewed with them um they're great kind of agronomical varieties as well which is a big thing for us obviously um with with the biodiversity angle of of sorghum brewing itself uh, it's something that's incredibly important to us at yth so we wanted to try and find some interesting varieties that are incredibly agronomically strong and work really really well in, in final brewing so the three varieties we settled on, um, one is Sabro, which is um, it's a relatively recent variety into, into the, the global brewing scene. It was only kind of released like four or five years ago now. Um, but the, the thing that Sabro brings to the table is a perceived sweetness. Um, it's, it's from a Neomexicanus genome, which is from wild hops effectively. So it's a, it's a, domesticated cultivar of wild hops um and it has an incredible 
almost creamy texture that it brings into the beer. It's a very strange, uh, it's a strange thing to try and explain uh, unless people are very familiar with Sabro. I absolutely love it. It can be a little bit of a divisive hop for, for some people. I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, but it has this incredible perceived sweetness to it. Um, we've also gone with Idaho 7, which is a, a hop that's been only kind of readily available globally for two or three years, um, developed by a guy called Nate Jackson and Jackson Hop in Idaho, um, hence Idaho 7. Um, but it's another one which has um, absolutely huge oil quantity for the hops as well. So we we kind of look at the, the breakdown in oil quantities and um, the makeup of that oil quantity as well. So um, Idaho 7 is hugely packed with uh, myrcene as the, the primary bulk of the the hop oil constitute of, of Idaho 7, um, which gives a lot of really nice, um, like tropical, almost like lemongrassy mango kind of high tones in there as well, um, along with a, a lovely kind of almost... Um, like leafy earthiness in there as well so it's something that something that kind of fills in a lot of the gaps that people would kind of expect to see in there and the last one we went for was equinox um which is it's been around for quite a while but what we've specifically gone for with equinox is the cryo hops version of equinox so um cryo hops is a, a process that ych came up with um about four or five years ago now which is um a process that takes the takes the hops effectively drops them down to sub-zero temperatures in a nitrogen environment slowly crushes the hops to remove the leaf matter and leaves us with just a pure resin pellet at the end of it um equinot in its in its um in its cone form has a has a really kind of bright phenolic uh, not phenolic sorry like a, a polyphenolic greenness to it as well which is absolutely wonderful but when you take it into its cryo format, it really enhances the tropical fruit flavor of it as well. The thing that I get from Equinox Cryo mostly is dry papaya. And um, with some of the flavors that, that Jesse and the team have been brewing with as well, some of the, the flavor pickups on there very much a, a tropical fruit led hop variety um, just picks up nicely. And it's another one that has an absolutely huge residual oil quantity in there as well which just leaves um, perceived texture to a beer as well. It's been some of these these high oil or high residual oil and high perceived residual sweetness hops have been kind of the secret to a lot of the New England IPA brewing over the last like five or six years. Um, it's how you get that huge textual silky mouth feel into it. So we wanted to try and take some of the, what's been very much the cutting edge of, of hop science and brewing science in in the states for the last 10 years or so and kind of put some of that into the the thought process of traditional brewing um and we think we've come up with a a really nice kind of harmonious blend of hops that actually benefits from both the flavor profiles and also the some of the perceived shortfalls of sorghum in brewing when you're looking at it through the eyes of um kind of modern european brewing at least Right, so these are designed to be, like I said, to be able to produce what would be considered a modern beer. This is not an attempt to kind of, to get brewers making a traditional beer as such. It's to bring that into a modern palate, is it? Yeah, we've, we've tried to, we tried to bridge that gap 
a little bit because the the jump I and mean, some people have been absolutely wild about the idea of okay let's brew something incredibly traditional let's go with as kind of as classic a, a version of this as we can do and that's absolutely wonderful um but for a lot of a lot of people and i think a lot of a lot of people's end consumers that might be a little bit too too much of a jump so we've tried to we tried to come at this project as a as a mid gap a kind of an introduction to what sorghum can do um the idea of brewing something that's completely gluten-free to people that have no no celiac tendencies it can potentially be an off-put the idea of brewing with something that people are not familiar with can potentially be an off-put um so we've tried to we tried to come up with something that will allow people to either brew something very traditionally if they want to i know that um jesse and the team actually brewed with with some of these hops in a, in a much more traditional way as well um but equally to try and find something that most brewers around the world could say okay i understand this portion of it and this will help me to in kind of implement this portion of it as well and equally to kind of ease that in with um with their end consumers as well right so yeah so that makes sense it's it's um yeah like you said it's to make it easy for the brewers but also make it easy for them to sell i guess at the end of the day that they have there's no point brewing a traditional beer if nobody else will will drink it for you um, yeah and the, the hope is that that people will enjoy these beers and they will further kind of experiment in with with sorghum brewing and things like that as well i think if you've had if you've had a good experience with something within a sphere that you understand you're much more likely to to go in with two feet there afterwards and that's that's kind of what we're hoping to achieve through this yeah well that kind of matches with i think a lot of craft craft beer drinkers are doing like they start off with the very hoppy ones and then they like saisons and all lambic sours are becoming more popular because their the palates just kind of you know kind of change over time so so um so these these hops then are when you're expecting people to take part do you from what Steve was saying as well, it sounds like you don't expect them to be brewing all all sorghum beers. You're expecting them to be maybe using 20% sorghum as a start to kind of get their feet wet on, on that. Is that right? Yeah, we've done we've done a few recipes again, like in in collaboration with Quasar, with this of um, here's here's some suggested ideas. Here's if you're completely unfamiliar with with sorghum as a grain or an extract or kind of whatever the format that that is available in in their region um we've come up with some recipes as some guidance but equally there's a couple of people on the first round that were just like no we, we'd like to brew something in a very much in the style of how we normally brew and equally people that are just like well no we'd love to brew something in the style of how how quasar and some of the african brewers brew as well so um <clears throat> it's it really is open to open to interpretation i think but the the idea is to really kind of highlight that there is there is this incredible grain that a lot of people don't really know about there's a lot more to to brewing out there than than barley and wheat and um yeah it's kind of it isn't it isn't just a gluten-free grain it can be um a really interesting flavor like thing to throw into your flavor palette as well um and yeah trying to just trying to kind of open that visibility piece a little bit yeah and i mean most brewers like to experiment with something they like to try something new and you know that that's that's how they got into brewing in the first place so so being yeah opening up the, the opportunities for them is that they'll probably jump on jump on your foot and, and grab it so 
I mean, as part of this project, um, maybe we'll just go back for a moment. I know Steve's left us there, but back to Quasar. So Quasar is because this project is going to be also assisting Quasar. So maybe we should um, have a little talk before we get into the mechanics of the project itself. Quasar is the first craft brewery in Rwanda. Maybe, Jesse, you want to just tell us, because I know from anything you've told me in the past, it's it's more than a brewery. It, it's kind of, it's a, it's almost a movement, if I, if I can get so grand. <laughs> Please be grand. <laughs> um, I'd love it if that's our, our legacy. That really is, you know, like we have two things, right? We have our product and we have our values and background of why we're creating our product. Um, and really a lot of that is making sure that we, um, you know, like the, the, the fact that beer history is, you know, women brewing beer in Mesopotamia and Egypt um, is not well known and we want to be able to tell that story. But speaking of which, um, Tapiwa, do you want to talk more about kind of Quasa, the goals of Quasa, the products, um, et cetera? It's bandwidth allows. She's at the brewery making a beer right now. So okay. that's part of the problem here. <laughs> yeah, oh, I think your connection isn't good enough at the brewery. Yeah, I'm sorry to Pua. Keep trying. If we, if I hear you pop up, then I'll just be quiet and you can keep talking. Um, so, yeah, the, I mean, it started at like, you know, so Steve Beauchene was on here, right? He had started this project with Fina Uweneza, a Rwandan woman, back in 2016. Um, and she stepped away from the project um, for various reasons. And then so that's when, when I came in to help continue the project along um and the goal being to have a, a women-run craft brewery in rwanda right um and so that's what we're doing um and so we have um we are the first licensed craft brewery in rwanda it's not to say that brewing doesn't happen here there's there's a very strong home brewing um culture here that's it's called ichigaje here so we've been talking about like what's the traditional beer and that's it's Ichigaje. Um, in, and so it's a very thick, opaque beer. We, it actually like, so we use the same origin ingredient. It, it is malted sorghum, um, but then the traditional version is that it's ground up into a flour and then mixed with, with warm water and then left to ferment. And there's a, there's a, a long, we, I mean, you can go back to the uh, previous podcast we've done with, with Brian here about that. We talked about the yeast process. That's very traditional here. It's a yeast substrate. Um, and so there's a there's a long process um, or a long history of that. And then what what we're doing is just kind of like find there's there's the desire for these like you know the clear beers, the modern beers, etc. And what we're finding is that um, Quasar beer has to to like me as an American, if I drank it side by side with a barley beer, I wouldn't necessarily know like the difference between the two. Um, but for example, like especially older Rwandan people like that 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 smell there's a smell in the beer that they can detect that smells like childhood in a way right it's very they detect it right away um and they, they kind of look at me like eh, you made a chigaje like I'm, I'm I'm a clear beer fan now like what are you doing to me um but then they take a sip and they're like wait but this is the palate that I like because that you know like there's a a, a whether you're talking elderly people or young people, like there's just this desire for like the rest of us, we want a whole bunch of variety. We want to experiment with different things. Um, but then like some of the feedback we've gotten is that people will, will take a sip of quiz and say like, Oh, 
now I'm like nostalgic for my grandmother, but it tastes like a beer that I like now. Um, and so it's this kind of hybrid of bringing values and flavors and palettes and ingredients into um, what is a, you know, a global business that, that everybody um, kind of wants a variety of, of products in. And so we, so we produce everything from like, you know, we're, we're working on, like actually you mentioned, Luke, we just recently made a hibiscus saison using our sorghum. Um, and that's really nice because it takes that kind of sour, tangy twang of, of sorghum with the saison and, and hibiscus tartness and like really creates this lovely, light, um, refreshing beer. But we, and we go all the way to stout. Um, and, so, and so we're looking at, and we're, we're developing biodiversity beers also um, with the Rwandan government. So how do we use native native to Rwanda not just sorghum but like other fruits other yeasts etc and use them in beers so that you know like why would you drink a German beer in Rwanda <laughs> drink Rwandan beer um and so we, you know and, and especially like as tourists if you come to Rwanda you want something that's unique um and so really you know there's a lot of very interesting yeasts and flavors here that um that we're working on how do we mix tradition and the palettes of what people like um, with kind of the the modern taste palette, um, whether Rwandan expat, you know, um, tourists, etc, to create unique beers that are unique to Rwanda, um, and be able to that also tell a story of both the history of women in brewing, um, the ingredients and um, Rwanda itself. Uh, sorry, you just mentioned there the yeast, so it just struck me. This is not something you've experimented with yet, is it? Like you've experimented with hops to identify specific specific hops, um, wonder, but you haven't kind of tried different yeasts or anything. Um, we haven't in any products that we sell yet um, because it's not licensed by the FDA, uh, the Rwandan F the Food and Drug Administration. Um, we part of that's part of the goal of this biodiversity beer project um, is there are, for example, in, in traditional brewing in uh, making Ichigaje, one, there's an aloe plant that grows here, a native aloe plant, that there's a, a symbiotic yeast that that lives that grows with it. Um, and that was that used to be used in brewing. Um, and so what our so our team is a combination of University of Rwanda um, the National Police Forensics Lab, the National Cultural Institute, the National Research and Development Agency, um, Center of Excellence for Biodiversity, Winners, Crisps, and Quasa. Um, and so in combination, what we can do is, you know, there's a lot of this knowledge of people are like, oh yeah, there's all these, you know, fruits or yeasts or things that used to be used or that are known to be used. So then, then it passes into like the police forensics lab so they can do the extraction of the yeast or the, the oils or the compounds. So then, um, then the University of Rwanda does the food science testing of is this, make sure it's not toxic, make sure it's not gonna you know, damage. And then our job as Quasa and Winners is to test those compounds in products like beer or as flavorings on potato chips um, so that we can come up as a team with you know, unique flavors and, and compounds for Rwanda out of that process we will have some yeasts you know like so having all of these food science and and forensics people involved is so that the Rwanda FDA can have all the documentation needed to make sure that it's food safe um, and at that point then hopefully because you know this might be another version of a quick yeast you know like that that was you know it's a fascinating history of how did that come about 
And the yeast that people use here to make ichigage is actually, it's, it's a three day long process um, that ends up with a very dry powder. And, it, and that powder can stay for up to six months, you know, in storage. And when you mix the, the malted sorghum flour with warm water, and then you sprinkle this across the top of it, and you let it ferment for one day, and then you drink it. What is that? Is that actually yeast? Is it a substrate? You know, like what, what's happening? Um, and so it would be great if, you know, Rwanda could be the next, um, you know, Vic yeast producer, like there's something here that people are using um, that, that has a great, you know, um, background and, and potential in the in a brewing industry. So that's why our team is together to kind of see if there's anything that Rwanda can put on more the the world stage of, of beer and other beverages and, and flavorings. So then let's get on to the, the, the project so itself. Um, so this is, like you said, it, it's got two aims, I think. Um, and this is where Yakima are kind of spearheading well yeah spearheading a lot of this you're putting a lot of effort into this as well so you've identified these hops that you think will work um you now want to encourage brewers around the world to try and brew at least with some sorghum some you know depending on their comfort levels experiment with it and these hops were kind of taking away one level of experimentation presumably they'll use whatever yeast they normally use and, and start with that so where and then the idea is that you're you've developed a whole resource kit here too one yakima are actually giving a discount on the hop so if anybody's watching this we'll tell you how to get that discount in a minute and um, and then you've developed kind of put together recipes and can art and the whole lot for this this works kind of the idea being that you the, the brewers will produce the beer that they want to brew you're not you you have a number of recipes but they're not limited to those if they want to try something something else as well and then it can all be kind of part of the same project and you're asking them then to maybe give a percentage back to Quasar to help develop the, the brewery down there for the reasons that Jesse just just outlined so exactly that I mean <clears throat> we're we're offering we're offering between 30 and 40 percent discount on the on these hops when bought together as a bundle um they're they're available through yakimchief.com or yakimchief.eu depending on where you are in the world um we've got like you said we've got we've got a full resource kit available which has got um a lot of work that, that jesse and her team have put together alongside things that we have as well we've got a lot of the history of, of sorghum brewing a lot of how to brew with sorghum recipes as you said there's some fantastic artwork which was um done by jesse will know the name of, of the artist but a wonderful uh, wonderful artist um from from rwanda as well he's put together some fantastic label artwork that's available to use um and what we're what we're uh, asking people to do obviously we're ych are providing them at this discounted rate so that there's a little bit extra margin left to make a donation back to to help kind of expand and, and further the the mission that that quasar have got in rwanda and also um by by doing that kind of help further further african brewing because that sounds quite patronizing but further kind of shine a spotlight on african brewing um because i think american brewing is so well documented european brewing is so well documented even to an extent a lot of the brewing scene in asia is quite well documented um but the brewing scene in africa is no less vibrant and no less kind of storied in its background there as well um 
but there just aren't really like Euro American eyes on it that much outside of the the very large global brewers. Um, and what they're producing is not necessarily African beer; it's beer made in Africa. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very much it's very much the idea of of trying to put a little bit back into into the African brewing scene as well. And ju just there for an example, I'm going to cut you off now. And just here's, I'll just show an example of some of the, the can artwork here, hopefully. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just, you know, that is available to download as part of the, the package as well. So that there's no requirement to use this, um, uh, which actually I think is important. There, there's no requirement to do anything on this. It's kind of, you know, you sign up and you do what, what feels comfortable for you. Um, you're, you don't have to use the can art. You don't. You can come up with your own. There's no specifications on names or recipes. But if you want to know where to start, it's all there, and you can kind of give it a, a hold. So, and the other thing I, I suppose mentioning this is, this is pretty much on the honors principle. I mean, you're you're trusting the brewers here that you know they're going to give back a percentage, and you know that, that that's what you're you're trusting because yeah. It's a global community. It's a community of brewers, so most people will. But it's also if someone, the brewers are kind of coming out and saying, "There, look, this is a sorghum beer. This is supporting a, a, you know, Rwandan brewery." But also, it's something different. There are a lot of, other beer drinkers who are looking for something different all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, you know, enough people complain about Untapped forcing people to to go onto the thing, so you might as well take advantage of that and try something new as well. Um, so what do they do? Um. To, to take part in this you have the ych website has all the details if i remember yeah absolutely there's um there's a there's a, a pretty simple sign up form um available through yeah through yakimachief.com or yakimachief.eu depending on on where you are in the world um fill in the details there and then one of one of our team in whichever region you happen to be in um, we'll be in touch with kind of exactly how to thank you very much uh, with exactly how to um, how to how to take advantage of the the discounts as well. That's something that we'll organise all of that and um, organise the shipping and things like that as we would normally do in order. Um, and exactly that. And once once the once it kind of someone signed in onto this as well, the the resource pack is completely freely available as you said. Um, it's available through the same blog as the the pre-order forms as well, and um, but yeah, we'll we're here to answer any and all questions as well. Um, likewise, the the team at Quasar, alongside the team at YCH, very much open to to answer any questions and and help out where we can do with this one. It is um, it is we know it's going to be an experimental project for for ninety nine percent of people that are going to be interested in taking part. So. Um, yeah, we're we're very much in for the journey, as well on this one. It's um it's something that's that's incredibly exciting for what it means for the project as well, but also what it means to just bringing bringing visibility on a new ingredient within global brewing as well. Yeah, um, and so sorry, just to qualify there, you can just contact whatever you know, Yakima yourself. You can contact if you're if you already have a contact there, they they know either know about it or know where to get Absolutely. the for you. Yeah, absolutely. So, so if people out there have got a normal YCH representative they're used to speaking to, everyone has all of the details and will be able to help you there, or they can go directly through the website if you're not already an existing customer, or um, just say, "Yep, I know exactly what I want. I want this, this, this. Let's go." Um, both options completely available. 
and it's like it's a 30 to 40 percent discount which is well worth giving it a try so the other big thing then is the sorghum where are people you've made it you said it, it might be quite difficult to get hold of that do you have any information on on how people can do that or where they can get it we've we're suggesting uh speak to whoever you get your local malt from um it's it's one of them things we thought would be a bigger issue globally than it actually is. Um, we've we're finding very few places, um, certainly across across Europe, which is which is where I look after mostly. Uh, but equally, my colleagues in the states, that there is no no availability either as a malted product or as an extract product. Um, there is a vast kind of availability of it for use in not necessarily brewing like like jesse said it's something that gets used quite often um as a as a base sugar in other things certainly as an extract format so um it's it's surprisingly easy to get hold of um we found that um certainly in in europe where it isn't available from a specific monster if you've got a multiple ingredient supplier um if you've got somewhere that has um like yeast chemicals malts hops and things like that Almost all of them will have uh, availability of sorghum either as an extract product or as a as a grain itself. So it should be should be easy to get to get started with. Um, actually, just just something that occurred to me there. If most of the sorghum, say, coming out of America is just is just cattle field, I presume it is very low value crop. So this sounds like it should be a way that farmers can kind of see a higher value to the to the crop as well. Would it be? Would that be something that that maybe farmers should be looking at promoting this a bit more? Um, we're actually working on that here in Rwanda. Like that is that's the scenario. Is that you know it, it grows easily and is one of the cheaper um, grains. And and what we're doing is doing the value add process of turning that into a product that can be used, you know, in the brewing industry. Um, and that and that brings a higher value. And also it's much more, it's a very stable market, you know, it doesn't, doesn't matter what happens in the world, people are still having their beers. Um, and so we're able to, you know, we're in the midst of, of setting up contracts with farmers, because we can guarantee that we're going to buy, you know, X amount of kilos of sorghum per year um, from them. Um, and so it brings them a better value than straight raw sorghum. Yeah. Um, so that that is that that is a, a potential, you know, for the for the the sorghum market. And I think to the question of where can people get this, I do know that at one point I was on like Rice's website, the the supplier in the U S and they had extracts and I think malt um, CNC malt had, they, they had made a round of it, um, you know, and if breweries contacted them, they probably could do it again. There's also a plug for um, the craft maltsters association. There's lots of craft malteries around um, that, you know, I bet if people reached out and said, I would like some malted sorghum, um, you know, they have the equipment already to do it so they can, you know, and, and like Luke was saying, like you can get sorghum, it's there. It's just whether it's malted or not. Um, yes. Another potential kind of crazy option, but we're, we're actually doing it with a couple of breweries right now. Um, if people want, you know, Rwandan traditionally malted sorghum, um, then we actually have the ability to export from here. We have ISO, we work with a partner as ISO certification um, and we'd be able to export to you know European American markets etc um, so it, it may be may come at a higher cost just because you know you're shipping it from Rwanda um, but if that higher cost turns into something that your brewery can 
really promote and say this is malted, you know, Rwandan sorghum, and, and traditionally it's malted here by women. So it's grown by women, malted by women. It's a traditional African crop. It's a biodiversity beer, gluten free. And if you're like, this came straight from Rwanda, um, you know, we can make that happen. So, um, you know, it, it depends more on season cycles, and so it may be, you know, not available today. But anybody who reaches out, um, we can arrange for export um, of traditionally malted uh sorghum from rwanda yeah that's the traditionally malted with the banana ash yep yeah i think that sounds like one if someone does that i want to i want to get the beer because <laughs> i want to try that one right. <laughs> um so what else was i going to say so yeah so to, just to come back like you have the resource kit like i said all the yakima just contact them they'll tell you where to download this and where to think so it's it's it's, it's pretty much straightforward just go to someone you know from Yakima and, and ask them about this and they'll give you all the, the information. So the recipes, are there any particular styles of recipes? Any Anything that you thought this works best with for a first try? Because you mentioned that you make stouts with it, but also it sounded like it's maybe that's not what people should be trying for the start. <laughs> uh, well, if in I think Luke has made mention of this, that if you go to the... Um, Quasa Beer Project Collab website on, on Yakima Chief's website. There's lots of resources there. So we've put together, because one of the other things that we have found in working with sorghum, for example, is that you have to mash at a high temperature to get better extraction at the beginning. So there's like technical things, but there's also two recipes that we um, worked on with Yakima Chief to, so there's a IPA recipe and a, and a pale ale recipe. Um, and they are I believe they're about 80% sorghum. That's the recipe we decided to put so that it, you know, show you can use barley, you can mix in other things. Um, you could reverse those ratios. Um, also, you could, you could get this hops bundle and use it on barley without any sorghum if you just want to try the, try the hops and support Quasa anyhow. Um, so there's all different versions. But yeah, there's two different recipes. And also, you know, Tapiwa and I, and sorry you can't here to yeah. today you should listen to the last podcast we did with her so you can hear her uh, her background in brewing um but um there's um we you know we're always available to to work individually with brewers that are interested in figuring out a recipe um we'll work with you and and help help you through you know any any details and we have a, a great worldwide network of other brewers in africa and north america who have worked with sorghum, um, who are also very resourceful, very open to, to helping people brew for the first time with sorghum. So if there's any hesitations or questions, but there's curiosity around it, please do reach out, you know, at least for Quasa, reach out through our social media, through any way you can find us, you'll, we'll answer you. Um, and yeah, we do, it's just to encourage people to try these new hops, or well, not new, but um, kind of new in this use of sorghum. Right. Um, try sorghum and, and support Quasa so we can, you know, really make sure that Rwanda's first craft brewery um, really does get going. Right. So, yeah, again, I mean, let's reemphasize what you've both of you said there. I mean, this is not something if you want to just take the thing and try it on a small kit, then fine. But you're not alone on this. If you want to try something, this is a genuine collab between whatever brewery wants to do it, plus Yakima, plus Quasa. I mean, you can all give your advice and, and help out and, and make it a make it a real collaboration. Um, is there yeah, a we have, we have a little resource open open to people from from our team and from Jesse's team. There is uh, there is there's going to be no question that a brewer can can come at us that we haven't got the answer for. I would hope. 
<laughs> no, that's a challenge. Someone's going to challenge us. <laughs> um, is there a time on this um, that that you're seeing this as a as a specific time limited project that you can then kind of show all the beers, or is this open ended, or, or how's that working? We're we're running the project through March at the moment, um, but depending on um, kind of uptake through through brewers, that could be extended if need be. Um, but yeah, the the idea is to run this the discounted promotion right the way through March. But brewers are then at their at their own discretion of when to to brew the beer thereafter. Um, very much want to allow people to work around their their existing schedules. Right. Um, okay. So listen. Um, and and a, a date that people could use just to throw throw in some Rwandan um, holidays here and, and tradition. Um, it's a bit off in the future, but August fourth is it's called Umaganora Day here in Rwanda. It's harvest day. It's like the American Thanksgiving or um and it's to celebrate the the harvest of sorghum, um, which happens in June, July, and then there's time to malt, time to brew, and then August fourth is when the harvest gets celebrated and that is through traditionally drinking a lot of sorghum beers. So you could always put that on the calendar, um, you know, and and celebrate with Rwanda for Umaganora Day. <laughs> um, I'll just say we have a couple of viewers here. So if anybody has a question, we're going to be finishing up soon. So type in your question there before we go. Um because I wanted to ask you said yeah um you were saying that sorghum traditionally is more of a lower alcohol beer so do you see like those recipes are they like more sessionable beers down that side or that they're not like imperial stouts that they're sessionable beers much much more sessionable we, we and we've actually gotten we we were making slightly higher alcohol beers like of different sort we also make a ginger beer and that was coming out higher alcohol we've actually found a lot that the majority of, of people have asked us to keep the alcohol at a sessionable level um and so it's worked out really well because that way we don't need to really mess with sorghum with we don't need to go find the enzymes do everything that yeah. everything comes out you know generally at like a four four point four to four point four percent um beer we also use tr it's traditional here also to use honey in beer um and so we add in honey to a couple of our beers and that does that can edge the alcohol level up a little bit um but yeah it, they're nice sessionable beers and and also like we were talking about sorghum itself is a little bit lighter so these are really just like really drinkable you know right. easy drinking beers Right, which sounds like, yeah, that there's a market for those if the brewers want to give it a try. Um, so listen, guys, um, I think that's everything. Is there anything we should have? I, I'm always worried that I forgot to ask or we didn't cover or anything there. I mean, is there anything about sorghum itself there that, that technically that we didn't mention or? No. Okay. Okay. I and we don't so. have any questions. I like think said. it's just give, giving it a try. Yeah, I, I think. Um, Hopefully, yeah, hopefully people will, because I know, because not only like our, our, if you do this, not only is the brewer kind of getting involved to try something new, they're helping out, they're setting up a genuine collaboration with another brewery on another continent for most of them. Um, and, you know, it, it's a, there's a story behind their beer then again, which also just helps make it easier to sell. I mean, if there's a story behind your beer, that's what, that's what beer is about, really. Um Mm -hmm. so hopefully people will give this a try like i said we don't seem to have any any questions we did have a despite the the late the late notice on this we we had a few viewers but um there's nobody asking any questions so we must have covered everything um so 
<laughs> yeah, if anybody also wants to check out, we do have, as Jesse mentioned there, um, sometime last year we spoke with ourselves um, with Tolikazi from South Africa and with Bature from Nigeria. We talked about traditional brewing, craft brewing. So those sessions are up there, um, well worth checking out. And you'll get more of a story behind what Quays is about and how it got started and what it's trying to do. And um, yeah, and just the traditional craft brewing that kind of uses Gorgon as well. So guys, um, yeah, I'll just say thanks a million for that. Please, anybody watching, do do contact um, either Jesse or Luke or someone in Yakima and give us a try. It sounds like it'll be, I hope we'll see a load of, um, yeah, I, I don't know how you're branding it. I don't know how, what names they'll use, but hopefully something that will say Quasar or Sorghum on loads of cans in the next year. All right. Beautiful. Um, okay, <laughs> we'll finish up. So um, thanks a million for all your time. <laughs>